Okay, we're getting ready to talk about something dear to my heart. Started it last week. And let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your presence here. You're here. Open our hearts to what you have to say to each one of us regarding your word. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that the word of God would, Lord, come, pierce our hearts, would come and make us more like Jesus. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that the things that are on your heart today will also be on our hearts. So thank you. Speak, Lord. Let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. And it's in the glorious and majestic name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. We're going to be looking at, are you hungry? <laughs> I'm not talking about going to Luby's. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, are you spiritually hungry? In Matthew chapter 5, it says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Okay. And so I want to talk about here, and I mentioned last week, we started a series, and it's, are you hungry? And we're talking about actually something I've been praying for for a long time, and real uh, continually in the last few months, and that is, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And I've been talking about that and I finally I felt like released, the Lord released me to start sharing about that. And so we ended last week with the question is, are you hungry for more of God? Are you hungry? Salvation is just the beginning of the journey. Okay. There's more to God than we've experienced, folks. And God wants us to encounter him. In fact, as we worship, worship actually means to encounter God. In other words, when we come in here corporately and we meet together, that actually worship is encountering God. Now think about it for a minute. Because when you think about it, you think about the fact that obviously it's like encountering God. <laughs> you mean the one true Jehovah God and encounter Him and by His Spirit? Like that. Now that's got to be a powerful experience. And so we think about what is it about that? Is this true or not? It's something we have to come to, obviously, through the Word of God and in our own conviction in our own hearts. And I believe that worship is encountering the true and living God. Amen. And that's going to be quite an experience. And I want to talk about it because I want to sort of like maybe change your focus on some of the ways you thought about worship. And what that really is, it's the most important to understand it, because once you understand it, then we obviously can pray into it, but we also can allow the word of God to change us, obviously, according to his word. So our scripture this morning is Psalm, 6, Psalm 63, <clears throat> verses 1 through 4. If you'd like to stand and read it together, you can read it with me or ever how you position yourself before the Lord. Read it with me. Oh God, you're my God and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. 
I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Amen. Amen. All right. This is David. He's talking about, I am thirsty. I'm craving you, Lord. And I'm in a land that's just completely dry and weary. But something down in my heart is thirsting for more of God. Now, you could say that's sort of like phrased in a different way as we believe that are we going to, does it mean we give more of ourselves to God? Or does it mean that we have more of God? Theologically, probably both in that respect. But we know that there's more to God than what we've encountered and experienced. And I don't believe there's any limit to what God wants to do in your life and my life and in His church. I don't believe there's any limit. Do you believe that? I don't believe there's anything that's impossible for our God. Amen? Amen. And He's in the life. He's a miracle-working God. He's a supernatural God. He doesn't do things the way that we do them. And He wants us to know Him. And I started this here last week when saying, my whole desire is everybody knows God, okay? And not just knowing about Him intellectually, but knowing through an encounter with Him and knowing that He is alive forevermore. And He wants us to know Him more than we want to know Him. And just like the song we sang there, Kathy mentioned earlier. And so my desire is obviously tell everybody about Jesus. Now, I pray that everyone has come to a, salva- a time of salvation and receiving Christ in your life. If you haven't, today may be that day that God speaks to you. But for those who know the Lord, I believe that He's going to carry us on a journey that's going to just be so marvelous in the next few weeks and sharing with you these things. I pray that God would speak. Last week, we talked about this. If there would be one thing that you could ask God for, what would it be? What would it be? Now, say that. More of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Betty. Thank you. More of Jesus. Okay. Amen. Amen. Now, Moses, remember, he was chosen by God. He didn't counter God, remember, there at the burning bush. God had his hand on his life before, actually, I believe, before he was even born there. And he was put in the basket there and in the river Nile and so forth. God had a plan for him. The same for us. He has a plan for us. He knew us in eternity past before we were born. Psalm 139 says he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. He has a plan for us, okay? And it's good plans. It's great plans. And so Moses, remember, had encountered the Lord in the burning bush. The bush was burning, but the bush was not consumed. And he met God there, and God basically began to change things in Moses' life. Speaking to him and saying, I've got a plan, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to do something. I want you to lead my children out of the, the hands of the Egyptians, out of slavery, and bring them into freedom, into the promised land. And Moses, again, remembered, was a little hesitant about it because he stuttered. Evidently, he had a stutter, couldn't talk, and he didn't like talking in front of people, and he didn't like to take the leadership position. But God said, I'm going to help you. Just believe me. Just trust me. Same way he speaks to you and I, right? I I stutter, okay? I'm not a plain speaker sometimes, but God helps you, and God helps me. And so Moses finally, uh, he yielded. And remember what he said. He said, but if we leave here, what am I going to tell all of the, the people around us who's, who's leading us out of this place? 
And remember what God told him. He said, tell him that I am. I am. Okay. And remember Moses kind of like, I am. Okay. But see, at that time, they knew what I am meant as far as the most high God. But it was like, I am. That's all you need to know. In fact, that's all we need to know is that God goes with us. And so Moses started beginning to talk with God about this and so forth. And then he decided, Moses is like, look, um, we're going into enemy territory here and a lot of strange places. And he said this, he said this, God, if you don't go with us, then I don't want to go. Remember? He said, I don't want to go. And remember God said that my presence will go with you. So significant for us. And then he went on to say, then show me your glory. Well, Moses had already been up on the mountain and he'd seen the glory of God. And he's like, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, okay, you're asking. You're bold and you're asking. And you can, I'll show you my glory, but you can't see my face and live. But I'll show you my glory. And remember, he had it, held him and, and hit, hit him in the rock there, the cleft of the rock. And God's glory passed by him. He was changed. Show me your glory. It's something I believe. So Moses could have had probably anything necessarily that he wanted, but yet he asked for one thing. Show me your glory. Go with me. He said, I'm not going if you don't go with me. That's one prayer. We pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. We pray for, obviously, God to take care of our financial needs. Nothing wrong with that. We pray like that. We pray without ceasing, the Bible talks about. But when we talk about going to, it could be said, a higher level of prayer, we're talking about, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. And my soul is so thirsty that I'm going to desperately wanting to know you and to walk in your presence. And see, I believe one thing about the church today and what will distinguish the body of Christ and the church distinguished from the world, what will it be? The presence of God in your life and my life. The presence of God in this place when we worship corporately. The presence of God. Now, I'm not talking about God. Obviously, it's omnipresent. Theologically, that means that God is everywhere and He is here right now. But there are various times that he reveals himself to our hearts and shows us his glory. And you could use the terminology that that is when God is manifesting his presence in our lives. That he manifests and, and it's like the tangible presence of God. It's kind of like when you know that you know that you know that God is very present right there with you and in your particular circumstances. It's a difference there, isn't it? You trust and know that God is leading you through whatever, but there's very there's special times when you're touched by His manifest presence, His His uh, again tangible presence. It's like you could reach out and touch Him; He's right there. See, and I believe God wants to reveal Himself in that way, because again, worship is about encountering God, and when you encounter God, I want to tell you something's going to change. In fact. The Bible says that we are changed from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says we are changed from glory to glory. And so when you encounter His glory, when you experience His glory, something happens dramatically in your life. You realize that you've been bought with a price. You realize that obviously there, that God is living 
that He's a good God and that He wants to, to be uh, obviously so close with us and we to Him that nothing else will matter to you and me and life. Because really, if you have God, you have all you need. Do you believe that? When you and I have God, we have all we need. Now I'm not talking about, hey, boy, if my Social Security check comes in, then I have all that I need. No, I'm talking about just God. Amen? <laughs> okay? And I can say that very, very honestly. Okay? So God is trying to teach us as a church about what worship is. And actually, God is looking, remember I've mentioned this, for worshipers. you believe that? I've always told God, I want to be a worshiper of God. He's looking for worshipers. The Bible says that one day we will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so God is looking for worshipers. And what that means is that we need to worship God with our hearts and not just our lips and with our spirits and not just religion and not just going through the motions. I don't want to go through the motions. Religion, and obviously, is there's no life in religion. Brings death anyway. But in a relationship with Jesus Christ, a vibrant, living relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm changed. And I want that. And I'm craving that. And I'm desiring that, just like David when he said, I'm living here. And he said this. He said, oh God, you're my God, and earnestly I seek you. And my soul, what? Thirst for you. And my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Think about it, how obviously when you're really thirsty, you've been out in the yard working or whatever it may be, and you come in and there is a, a cold glass of water and you go in and pour that. It's like you can just pour that water down, can't you? Okay, I'm thirsting for you. Well, see, spiritually, this is the same thing. This is what David is saying here today. It's about, obviously, worshiping the king. Now, listen to this. Worship is not equal to music. Singing, ritual, or sermons. It's not about that. Worship happens because of relationship. We learned last week that worship is ultimately a response of our heart to God's heart. God's heart is full of love and concern for each one of us. And he proved it by sending his son into the world to die for our sins. He loves us in that way. So embracing his son through belief and trust and committing our lives to him. Then we know our hearts begin the journey of responding back to God and the wonderful experience that we call worship. Now, what is the most important thing? And you can answer this out loud if you like. Certainly, I'd love for you to. The most important thing a Christian can do. What is the most important thing that a Christian can do? Think about it here today. No wrong answers in that. Okay, because we're just we're just here learning, growing together. What's the most important thing a Christian can do? Pray, 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 sir, sir. Okay. All of them are good. All of them are good. Surrender. Surrender. All of them are part of this. And so it's all under this. But you know the most important thing a, a Christian can do? That is worship. It's the most important thing. What do you think we're going to do when we get to heaven? What are we going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. We'll, we'll talk to the Lord. We'll pray. I believe pray will, prayer will continue. We're certainly here. But what will we do in 24 hours, if you think about it, there's no limit of time there in heaven. In heaven, we're going to worship. 
Why not worship now? Why not? Why not worship in the way that God wants us to as we hear? Why is it, what should it be different here than it will be in heaven? That we'll be in the presence of glory. But why not get a taste of that here and walk in that every day? Why? We're being prepared here on this earth, aren't we? For heaven, basically. It's a, a time of preparation. Worship is the most important thing we can do. And we will do it throughout eternity. Evangelism is about worship. Because we're bringing people into a relationship with God. What? So they can worship Him also. So they can do what God made them for. That's the purpose of evangelism. Leading people to become worshipers of God. Everything in our lives flows from what and how we worship. Living the Christian life is about worship. And all you and I do should be a response to God in, in Romans chapter 12 and should be an act of worship that we present before the Lord. Life itself is an outflow of worship. What you experience here on Sunday morning and in your prayer time each day before the face of God should drive your life and it should drive your passion. The way we live, love, work, and walk are a result of the way that we worship. Now, I know we're starting this series, so there's a lot of questions you may have as we go through this. Hang on. I'm going to go through it in the next few weeks about this. And I pray that at the end, that this teaching will obviously, you'll think different about even your relationship with the Lord and how you pray and how you worship here. All of these things reflect the level of our relationship with God. Likewise, there when we come together in corporate worship here, the way we worship reflects the quality of our relationship that we have with the one that we worship. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes I just come in because I feel like, wow, I've gotten in here. That's a big step forward. And probably all of you feel the same way, right? But I'm going to talk to you about some ways that I believe will really uh, just supercharge you. Well, obviously, you light the fire in your heart in wanting to encounter the Lord and wanting to know Him in a deeper manner than what we have, we've been doing, okay? I say, except believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and you shall be saved. But I'm talking about, oh my gosh, this life is rich. And this life is so more. And Jesus is so full of it. And like Betty said, well, I just want to know Jesus more and more and more. Churches have been in conflict, listen, for decades. Whether or not to have Horses or hymns, fast songs or slow, drums and guitars and organs or, or seeker-oriented services or evangelistic altar calls. Nothing wrong with any of those. But they focused upon these things. They focused upon the tools that lead us into worship instead of focusing upon worship itself. Because somehow we've got so embroiled in these things, obviously we've missed a point. Because these things were obviously they're very relevant in that, but in the sense of what worship is, are irrelevant. And we were asking the wrong question. It isn't the tools that we use, it is the goal that we pursue. Not the tools. The tools are worship, praising Him, worshiping Him, sharing His Word, all important part of that, but it's a tool as far as worship is concerned. If the church, listen to this, tries to please people 
instead of touch the heart of God, then they've missed the purpose of why we gather in the first place. I'll say it again. If a church tries to please people by songs or by sermons or by whatever it may be, instead of touching the heart of God, then we've missed the purpose of why we gather. We've missed the purpose. And there's been conflict over this for years and years and years. And the pastor, and I've tried to bring a lot of times, and I want to tell you, when I speak this, I speak to it myself, trust me. Because our culture today is going with the contemporary songs. I love the contemporary Christian music and so forth. And I think that, that, you know, a lot of wonderful songs and singing back to God instead of just singing about God. Nothing wrong. I was raised on the hymns and the hymns are there. But it's not about the hymns and it's not about the contemporary Christian music. It's not about whether they're fast or they're slow. It's about whether or not we worship. They're all tools to lead us into worship. A lot of times in my quiet time before the Lord, I'm distilled before the Lord. I enter into with God's presence at times and I don't want to leave. I encounter the Lord and there's no music at all. Other times on my phone, I put Christian music on and begin to praise work, the worship and worship the Lord and I encounter the Lord that way. So it doesn't necessarily mean any of those. You can encounter the Lord going down the freeway on 45 or 518. You can encounter that. God wants uh, to meet with us. He wants to obviously to touch his heart and he touched our hearts. That's what worship is all about. Why? Why is it we have all these other things in place of uh, worship and just focusing on him? Why do you think? Because much of the time it's about me. It's what I want. It's what I desire, what I prefer. Nothing wrong with that. But what it does is take you away from the goal. And the goal is the pursuit of God in worship. That's what it's all about. The goal of worship is supposed to be an encounter with God, not to have our senses pleased, your preferences met, or our biases confirmed. It's not necessarily about a feeling. Or emotions, although when you encounter the Lord, many times there are emotions. Sometimes, many times there are tears. There are tears of joy. There's laughter. There's praise. There's a sense of exuberation there in the presence of the Lord. All those emotions, uh, that's the way God made us. And we're emotional people and we need to express those. But obviously it doesn't have to be. Doesn't mean absolutely that we worship because of those. If we do everything cool and cutting edge, and yet miss God, it's all a waste of time. Now, let me say this, and I'm not talking about any other churches. Okay, because I'm not the pastor of those churches. <laughs> I love bands in the worship. I love churches, got the bands. I've been in churches. I was in a church in November up in the Dallas area. They had 5,000 pastors there. And I mean, they had all the worship team and they are just awesome. It's really uh, wonderful. I love that and all. But it's not necessarily whether or not we get everything right. Kathy prepares. She does. And I prepare. Okay. But it's not about whether or not I, I dot every I and cross every T 
And everything comes out perfectly. Although I desire to have, obviously, to express these things to where people can understand them. It's about coming and meeting with God in this place, corporately with His children. It's about encountering the Lord, folks. All those things are used as tools to bring us to encounter the Lord and worship, being touched by Him. We are changed from glory to glory. But we focus sometimes on the wrong things, don't we? We're guilty of pursuing the wrong things. And we've all been caught up in the pursuit of what we thought we wanted instead of what God wants. Which is our hearts inclined to that God wants us to be hungry and thirsty and to have a personal and intimate encounter with Him. That's what He wants, folks. He wants us to hunger and thirst. That's why in, in Matthew chapter 5, it says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. God wants us to, to crave Him, to pursue Him. David, read the Psalms. My goodness. David is pursuing the Lord. He had encounters with the Lord. And yet he was still, I'm hungry, my soul, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry for your presence in my life. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with me, we're not going up from this place. I'm not leaving here. Okay. I'm going to talk to you at the end. What all this means and how we can get there, okay? Because see, what that looks like in your life and my life is personal between you and the Lord. I can't say and would never say, well, you need to do this. If you do this this way, then you'll obviously get this and that. No, if we follow the scriptures, then you'll have that. But see, we have always, we said, well, you need to worship this way. You need to worship that way. No, we want to encounter the Lord. When you encounter the Lord, you're going to worship him the way he wants you to worship him. Amen. What's our highest value? God? Or our format? What's our highest value? Our program? Or God? Which one? Right? The congregation that pursues God Himself as its ultimate objective will be rewarded with His presence. Let me say it again. The congregation that pursues God Himself as its ultimate objective, will be rewarded with His presence. Just I want God, right? I can come in and sing hymns. I can come in here and, and sit in the presence of the Lord. I can sit in here and praise and dance and worship the Lord in all of these particular things. But if my whole goal are these things, Instead of worshiping Him and encountering Him, I'm off base. Everybody getting this? This makes sense. Shake your head. If it doesn't, okay, too. We're going to keep on. We're going to get it, okay? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. This is so important. It's been on my heart for a long time. I was praying last night. Went to bed and I was telling the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want you so, so my heart's just hungry. I'm thirsty for you. I'm laying there on my head on a pillow and I'm talking to him about it. And I just want you. And it's sometimes, I know maybe you've experienced this too, that it's kind of like God is right there, but it's like he's just a little bit out of reach. Just a little bit. You can tell he's there. He's, you know he's listening. 
but he's just there. And you keep on your yearning and yearning and yearning. You know, that's why. Because, you know, we think sometimes that, hey, man, I'm arrived. I'm good. You know, but yet God is saying, I want you to to seek me and to pursue me. And yeah, I want I want you to know me. And there's no limit to who he is. He wants us to encounter him. I know that or it wouldn't be in the Bible. This is the word of God. Let me say this. This is my desire. To pursue God himself. Yes, I'm going to prepare here with the sermons. Kathy will prepare. We will make sure and follow and pray for healing and needs. All these things are great because God's our healer. Amen. But the congregation who has a goal of pursuing God himself will be the one where God reveals himself and his presence. Amen. Okay. The most important truth that we've got to learn early on in our study concerning worship is is that we worship what we love most. We worship what we love most. You love religion? You get religion. But it's dead. If you're seeking after God, the Bible says if you seek for Him with all of your heart, then He will be found by us in Jeremiah chapter 29. He says that. He said He'll reveal Himself if you seek me. We may say we love God, but... Our supreme affection may be, in fact, be on, obviously, um, our car, our home, our career, or even ourselves. And because of that, God will not be the object of our worship. We got So you'll worship something. You can worship finances. You can worship security that you got your finances in place. You, gotta, you can worship this, that I, I've got this and I've got that. You can worship whatever. See, man was made to worship. And we're going to worship something. God is saying, I want you to worship me. I want you to encounter me. The only change will come is when we encounter him. Biblically speaking, what happens when we worship those other things? What does that mean? Anybody? What does that mean? When we have something up here above God. What is that? What is that? An idol. Idol. Everybody knows, right? It's an idol. So what we do, and we know God, what He said about idols, didn't we? Throughout Scripture and certainly Ten Commandments. But we know when we worship. And see, so when we talk about these things, my desire in my heart also and yours and is just say, Lord, search my heart and try me and see if there's any offensive way within me and lead me into the way everlasting. Ask Him, search me. Is there an idol in my heart? Is something come in? And taking your place, usurped your place, and I'm worshiping more than I'm worshiping you? Because obviously we'll worship what we love. And a lot of things creeping in, because the devil is working, the flesh is working, and the world is working, all of them. And they creep in there. They come in real subtly, and we don't even know. Before long, you lose your passion, you lose your longing, and your love for Jesus Christ, and you wonder what happened. It's because an idol has come in and taken his place. That's why in the book of Revelation, the church at Ephesus, he said, you're doing a lot of great things, man. You're really working for me and serving me, but I have this against you. And what does he say? You've lost your first love. Our first love is Jesus. He's not top. Something else is going to be top, right? 
You see, worry and concern and all these things around us today that's going on in our world today that we are obviously concerned about can become an idol. Well, it's not one of those things you carve out of wood like they had back in the Old Testament and so forth, but it's still an idol. Anything that takes God's place is an idol. And we worship it instead of worshiping God. When God is not at the top of our hearts, then I'll tell you what, He can change that if you value that and, and you allow Him to change your heart. That's why in Matthew 22, Jesus said the two most important commandments are summed up in these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. He said everything else falls under that. He said love. If you get, we get that. That's our desire, church, right? I know that's your desire. I know you. I know you're hungry for God. I know that you're thirsty for Him, that you crave Him and passion. You want His presence to go with you. When we go out into the world, what's going to distinguish us between the world and the church? His presence and your life and my life. What happens when you go down here to Kilgore? What happens when you go over here to wherever? Webster, wherever. What's going to sting? It's your, his presence in your life. Moses valued that so much. He said, I'm not going up from here if you don't go with me. We have that same attitude, Lord. I want to worship you supremely. You're the affection of my heart. Your desire of my heart. And I desire you and long for you. Ralph Waldo Emerson. He hit the nail on the head when he said this. The gods, small g, we worship, write their names on our faces. Be sure of that. And a man that will worship something, uh, and a man will worship something, have no doubt about that either. He may think that his tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of his heart, but it will be out. That which dominates him will determine his life and character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Where's the joy of the Lord? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Because something has crept in and stolen that joy. Because I've always said, don't let anything steal your joy or anyone steal your joy. And when we somehow put our whole basis upon the fact that, that we need to, we want to please man instead of pleasing God, let me tell you, that is an idol. And you will have your joy stolen quickly. We try to do things, please. How many of us in here, don't raise your hand. <laughs> because I know. You sometimes you catch yourself. I'm just trying to please everybody else here. I'm trying to please everybody else, you know, and 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 all, and it becomes like almost a stronghold in your life. What happens then is you've wrecked an idol. Instead of pleasing God, Jesus said He only lived to please the Father, and He said, "I only do what I see the Father doing." Talk about an effort to worship. Everybody with me? Everybody's with me. Amen. My G. A couple of you can nod off here in just a minute. And we're going I'm gonna shout. <laughs> Obviously. Because worship's not merely a response to God, 
but it's also a pursuit of God. We struggle to pursue God, even when we know it's best. In worship, we pursue God to pursue a deeper, fuller, and increasingly intimate knowledge of Him. Listen to what Asaph said in Psalm 73. Asaph, A-S-A-P-H, was David's worship leader. And he was in the uh, tabernacle, David's tabernacle, and they worshiped 24-7. And, I mean, it was his awe. Um, the presence of the Lord, I'm sure, was overwhelming. Asaph had been in the presence of the Lord, and he saw other people prospering more than he he was, and he was asking the question, why do the unrighteous prosper more than we do? Remember? And he got mad at God. He was mad. Look at him. You're blessing those people over there. You're not blessing me. That's what he was saying, really. You remember? And he said, I was really depressed. I was really down in the dumps until what? I went in the sanctuary. I got into God's presence. You want to have that depression lifted? Ask, Lord, I want your presence more than anything in this world. I want you to be the pursuit of my life here. But listen to what he said in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. Is that your desire? Is that my desire? Whom in heaven do I have but you? And who do I desire but you? Asap knew where life was. We're trying to find life in all these things that are dead. We're trying to find life out of things that are inanimate types of things. Everything. Oh man, this is going to bring me joy if I just had a new car. If I just had this and that. And it never works. The pursuit of God and knowing God and encountering God. That's where real joy will come from. So what's today's church seeking? I believe the major hunger and thirst in the lives of all believers today is no different from that of David when he wrote, Oh God, you're my God. And I seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. You think about it. You want to know God. That's why you're here. You know God's presence is there just a short distance away. And yet something's holding you back. It's like, Lord, and what is it that's holding you back? You're afraid that if you go too deep with God, or maybe you give God everything, and somehow somebody is going to judge you. Somebody's going to look down on you. And that's the fear of man. That's putting man's opinion above who God is. Somehow you feel that, don't you? Barriers are like sin in our lives that we don't want to get rid of. They're like fears that we have. Going too deep. Barriers like comfort zones and commitment levels. All of those will keep us from worshiping the way that God desires. What is somebody going to think if I worship God out of the ordinary and out of tradition. I've really been touched by the Lord. What is somebody else going to think about me? If I respond this way. To the presence of God. What is somebody else going to think? If I shout hallelujah. Because God has touched me. And his presence is on me. And touching me. And, and all. what is this anybody else going to think? See until we get rid of the fears. Because fear is an idol. And I told you about this COVID stuff. We are not to fear the COVID. Do you know how many people they've gone in psychosis because of the fear of this particular illness that we need to be cautious about? But we're not to be afraid because that's not of the Lord. See? We worship 
whatever, obviously, we love the most. We've gotten used to being spectators at a worship show. We got used to being warmed by being at the edge of the fire that we want to get any closer to because we're, being, we're afraid of being consumed. We hold back. In Hebrews 12, the word of God says God is a consuming fire. We hold back. Now, some of you may say, well, Jim's just talking about emotions. And Jim's just talking about some type of fleshly working this up. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about the presence of God. If that brings emotion, so be it. But I'm not talking about emotions for emotion's sake. I'm talking about the presence of God. Listen to this story and see if you can relate to what I'm talking about. Mark chapter 5. Remember the story of the lady with the issue of blood. Matthew 5, 24 through 34. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in. They were pressing in to God. We should be pressing in to Jesus, okay? A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much of that at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. And after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. And for she thought, if I just touch his garment, I'll get well. Immediately, the flow of blood was dried up and she felt her body uh, in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus perceived in himself that power had proceeded from him, had gone forth. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? And you looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. The crowds were pressing in on Jesus. Oh, that we would be so hungry for his presence and his touch like this lady, okay? Remember, a lady here with the issue of blood, she was unclean. She could not go out in public. And yet, look at what this lady did. She risked it. She went out in public, and she was a woman in a male-oriented society, and she reached and crawled through, crawled through the crowd and touched the cloak of the one that healed her. And Jesus said, daughter... Your faith has brought healing to your body. She risked it all. She's risking it all. Taking every ounce of effort she can muster to get close to Jesus and to touch Him. Folks, that's what God wants us to do also. A heart that is so hungry, so desperate for God that will do anything, suffer any indignity, put up with any embarrassment or do anything to get closer to God. No cost is too high. No price is too steep to reach and touch Jesus if that's our highest quality and value. Your greatest goal, then you will receive it. That's your desire. Remember David? 2 Samuel? Worship before the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, it was brought into Jerusalem. 
He strips off his outer clothes down to his underwear and dances before the ark, a symbol of God's presence there as it enters the city. His wife's embarrassed before him and chastises him for worshiping so freely. He tells her, he talks to her about it. And when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michael, it's before the Lord. I'm not doing it before you. It's before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your household when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. And I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more indignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. David wanted to know God so bad that whatever it took, he was going to know him. He was going to pursue him. And I want to tell you, according to the word of God, if that's your heart and you're in here today, you will find him because he promises. That's my heart's desire. I do not want to go through a ritual. I don't want to go through the motions. I want to know God. His very presence in my life. It's the only thing that's going to change me. The only thing that's going to change anything that I deal with or you deal with is the presence of the Lord. So what holds you back? Why don't you press into Jesus? Do we have so little faith that He'll change our lives? Are we too comfortable with the way our lives are being the way that they are? Are we too lazy to expend the effort to get close to Him? Yes, getting close to Jesus takes effort. Touching Jesus does not come easily. Remember the lady had to get out of her household and she had to walk and crawl and touch His cloak, remember? Getting closer to Jesus takes effort. But let me tell you, the payoff is wonderful. <laughs> oh my goodness. The payoff is wonderful. It will change the way you pray. It will change the way you work. It will change the way you live. It will change the way you witness. It will change your life. Totally turn your life upside down. And if you're sitting here today and you're really struggling with whatever issue, I want to encourage you. Lord, I want to know you. There's something stirring my heart and it's the Holy Spirit of God and I want to know you. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of all this stuff. I'm tired of the way things are. I want my life to change for you. God will take you. One author said, people don't worship, not because they don't want to, but because they don't understand it. And we've seen that when we take, obviously, the time to teach people about biblical worship. They walk away, worshipers. So in this teaching, I want you to walk away in your own relationship with the Lord, with a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second of all, a lot of people are not sold out. A lot of people have not made Him Lord in our lives. A lot of people have not totally surrendered what we heard earlier. A lot of people are just sort of like, I'm God, I want to get. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But if you want to know God and you want to be a worshiper of God, and you're here today and that's on your heart today, we're going to lead through this time together and we're going to journey on a journey. 
that's going to take you deeper with the Lord than you've been in the past. And me too. In our relationship with the Lord. I can't change anybody's heart about God, but I can help you to understand what worship is. I can share with you. There's some physical barriers. Let me say this. Coming in. Sometimes people talking will get us distracted, okay? When we come in, we need to focus on the Lord, okay? Share with one another, but then get to your seat, please, and ask the Lord, I want to encounter you in this time. Begin to pray. Pray all during week, but when you come in. You need to, obviously, we, we fellowship we, and love. We pray for one another. But then, well, before we worship, come in and get quiet and just say, I want to worship you. If you see somebody's head bow, you know, just pray. Rem- be reminded. Pray. We want to encounter you, Lord. There are physical barriers to this, obviously. We're distracted by people and things that are going on around us here. If the sound system messes up, Ed and Michael, they're working on that too. Somehow, our baby cries, or uh, somehow... Maybe your spouse was mad at you for something you said on the way to church. Get that right. Okay. (laughs) A lot of distractions. Okay. And I'm not talking about anybody here. So don't all of you look at me and give me a, a frown. Thank you, Lord. Barriers can be overcome. Remember this. Too often we stop at the barrier. We forget that Jesus is on the other side. Instead of being like the woman in our Bible who pressed through the crowd through beyond the fear of being exposed and stoned. She touched someone that could heal her. She got past that. Don't be afraid. God is a consuming fire. But what he consumes are the things that are not like him in our lives. Amen. And I don't want those things in my life anyway. And I know you don't either. They're flesh barriers also. What's the motive that you're here for? What is the motive you coming? You believe that you're going to gain God's favor by being here? You have God's favor if you're a believer. Are you coming to church thinking that obviously you're going to get saved by coming to church? The church is great. Praise the Lord and all that. The church doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Okay. Are you feel like this is a works? Works will not get you into heaven. We work because we love Jesus. Amen. But let me say this. Listen. You come to church. Get your needs met. I've heard that many times. Preacher, I come. And and yes, the word of God feeds us. Thank you, Lord. Again. But if that's the highest motive. Then we've missed the goal. The goal is to worship the king. Amen. Okay. There's a paradox of worship. When you come to give. You get, but when you come to get, you go away empty. (laughs) Say it again. When you come to give, you get, but when you come to get, you go away empty. Examine your motivation for coming to church here. Is it to get your needs met? To be ministered to, although that's great, nothing wrong. Or hear a song that you want to hear, you know, or if it's about me, it's about me. See, self, basically, you could say equal sin. <laughs> self is the root of sin. <laughs> I want what I want. Okay. But if it's about God and you want God, ask him. Put that hunger in my heart, Lord. I know this about you and I know what was being said today is true. And I want you more than anything in this world to encounter you. To pour out all you have and all you are before his throne. To empty yourself before Him in worship. Spiritual barriers. 
first of all, if there's sin, confess it, repent of it, and, and move on. The other is this. In James chapter 4, it says this. Now, this is a promise. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. I believe by doing and coming before Him that we're drawing near to Him. He says He will draw near to us. God is waiting for us to draw near to Him. And obviously, sometimes I believe it keeps us from encountering Him. Okay? So we come in, sit down, and, and greet people, and then sit and say, Lord, I want to counter you. That's between you and the Lord. This is personal. I'm sharing with you what things I believe to enter. I want to be a worshiper. I've told you that for many years. I want to be a worshiper of God. I'm a preacher of the word. Yeah, great. Thank you, Lord. But I want to be a worshiper. David was a worshiper. Amen. And he was a man after God's own heart. And he wasn't perfect. You know, David messed up and he did. But he confessed his sins, he repented, he got back up again, and he was a worshiper of God. So if you think that you fail, God, you've gone too far, no, you haven't at all. And you think, man, this stuff is way too spiritual for me. No, it's not. God will take you right where you are if you ask him. I want to be a worshiper of you. So are you willing to do whatever it takes to encounter God and just do it? Now, we'll end with this. Real simple. When you come in, tell your body and your heart, that you're going to worship God. Speak to your body. Speak to your heart. We're here to worship the King today. And I want to encounter Jesus. Speak these things out. That nothing, not even your flesh, your, your fear or anxiety about what others think about you. Nothing, absolutely nothing will keep you from encountering the Lord. Speak it out. Body, we're going in there to worship today. Amen. I'm going to encounter the king today. I'm coming to encounter Jesus because I believe that is worship and I've come to worship. Amen. Get rid of every motive, everything that's underlying you and trying to tell you anything else, any fear that you believe man is going to somehow look at you and think you've lost your mind. God tells you, get out here and run around the church three or four times and then come everybody in here and praise God and so forth. If God tells you to do it, then do it. Amen. <laughs> I don't have the energy, but you can walk. I'm saying today, I'll use this just to say, you want to encounter God? You want to know Him? David did. And he was not embarrassed. He said, he said hey, I, I worship before God here. Okay? The other thing is, I don't want anybody stripping down in this place. <laughs> It's not about that. It's about the fact that he was willing to become undignified in his own way to become dignified in God's sight. Amen. You want worship? Pour your heart out to him. Worship him, tell him you love him. You want to know him more than anything in this whole wide world. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, and we, want, we don't want to go up from here. That's it. That's my desire right now. And that is my right now before you and before this church. This is where we're going. I don't want to go if you don't want to go with me. If we're not seeking the Lord and God Himself, God Himself is the desire of my heart and the desire of all of you out here. Okay. May not understand it, but we're going to learn more and more, okay? Because we're all growing. We're not, we haven't arrived. Remember that. 
And what all this means in your life, it just means that God wants a deep relationship of intimacy with you and with me. Okay? And how will we be the people of God? And how will we make any difference if the presence of the Lord is not with us? God says in his word, behold, I do a new, I'm doing a new thing. See, it springs up and it's revival. When revival comes, the presence of the Lord is overwhelming. I've read many, many. I love, I'm a student of revival. And the things that have happened when God's presence came and touched people. All types of things happened. That's God's business. And it's between you and him. And it's between this church and him. But I'm hungry for God. And I'm after him totally. That's what I want in my life. Nothing else will satisfy. I get up, preach a sermon. People say, yeah, that's good, Jim. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. But it's not, that's not the goal. Although I, I prepare and ready and share. The goal is the presence of the Lord. Amen. Everybody wants the presence of the Lord. Amen. Your life. You want to be set free? You know what happens with the Lord? If you've got depression or if you've got some addiction or if you've got some type of habit or you've got things that hold you back, all these things which Jesus just wants to set you free of, all those things. And his presence is the fullness of joy according to Psalm 16. He'll break all those things. He'll break them off of you in his presence. But we've got to have his presence. Because if not, we're not going up from here. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you and praise you. And we worship you, Lord. And Lord, we don't care what anybody thinks or what anybody says. We just want you. That's all we want. You're all we want. You're all we need. And we ask you, Lord, today to come fill our hearts with your presence, oh God. Your manifest presence. Touch people, Lord, in the midnight hour. Touch people wherever you desire, oh God. Lord, time is going short. And Lord, today, we want to get ready. And so, Lord, today, touch people like never before. The hunger in our hearts can only be satisfied with your presence, oh God. Touching us. Filling us. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Come and do whatever you want to do. This is your church anyway. It's not mine. It's not Lighthouse Fellowship. It's yours. It's yours, Lord. Just do whatever you want, Lord. Pour your spirit out, oh God, in here. Make your presence known to your people. That they'll know the great I am is here amongst us. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, just do it and move in power to change lives. We want a deep, deep, deep walk with Jesus, Lord. There's no limit to who you are. And Lord, we're hunger, hungry and, and Lord, we're thirsty. Help us, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Bless your name. You know, as I pray, you can 
You know what amen means. It just means we agree. We agree. You agree that you want to hunger. You agree you want to know Jesus. You agree that you want to come and return to your first love. That's most important. He said, you've done a lot of good things. You're carrying a lot of my will out, but I have this one thing against you. You've lost and left your first love. If that's you today, tell him, I've left my first love. The priorities have been on my problems. The priorities have been on making a living. The priorities have been on everything except for you. But that changes today. And I change and make you my priority. Lord, do that in the hearts and lives of those who right now are whispering that prayer. Holy God, help us. Give us grace to pursue you, to know you, to worship you, to be worshipers of the King. Thank you, Lord. God's doing work in this place. God is doing a work right now. Thank you, Lord. It's all about the King. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about the King. Thank you, Father. Seal on our hearts. Help us, Lord, this week. And whatever we do, that we stop and we worship you. We praise you. We honor you, Lord. We glorify your holy and righteous name. Wherever we may be, Lord. No matter what, we're not going to fear man. We're not going to say, well, what if I do this? What's it mean? Have I gone too far? Will I be consumed? Yeah, you'll be consumed. But it'd be a fire in your heart and life for Jesus Christ and a love affair like we've never known before. Help us, dear God, to return. Thank you, Father. We honor you. Bless your holy name. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you.